everyone and welcome to the year was the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party causing all your friends to question hey who invited you like seriously why are you here I'm your host, Michael Montalvo, and for the next few minutes, we will swim through the river of time to find out what makes today truly unique. On this episode, we examine the events that occurred June 24th. Today, I thought we could look into something I just learned about today, the Poor People's Campaign. I'm curious to know how many of you have heard about it. I'll try and explain it the best I can using the sources that I found. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King had a vision for a protest, a demonstration by the nation's poor to confront the power structure massively. This will be no mere one-day march in Washington, but a trek to the nation's capital by suffering and outraged citizens who will go to stay until some definite and positive action is taken to provide jobs and income for the poor. It had really only been three years since Lyndon B. Johnson had declared a war on poverty when Dr. King sent out a call to action to representatives of the American Indian, Mexican American, Appalachian, and their supporters to go forth and join him at the National Mall in May of 1968. Together, they wanted to demand federal funding for full employment, guaranteed annual income, anti-poverty programs, and housing for the 19% of Americans under the poverty line, roughly 35 million at the time. Things just didn't go like they were planned. As we know, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated April 4, 1968, but undeterred, thousands of people traveled to Washington in hopes to honor the man and hopefully follow through on his vision. The initial plan was to gather without a permit, making the occupation illegal, but Reverend Ralph Abernathy and leaders of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference altered the plans after King's assassination and applied for a permit through the National Park Service. And perhaps a bit surprisingly, on May 10th, the anti-poverty demonstration was granted a five-week permit for a city that would be built along the reflecting pool at the National Mall. Then people began to pour into the area, some even before the permit was granted, but it wasn't until May 12th that Coretta Scott King and Ethel Kennedy, who is a civil rights activist and the widow to Robert Kennedy, would lead a national welfare rights march through the poor neighborhoods of Washington, where they would eventually end up at a high school stadium, where Mrs. King would address the crowd, saying, Congress passes laws which subsidize corporate farms, oil companies, airlines, and houses for suburbia, but that they would not do the same for the nation's poor. The next day, Reverend Abernathy requested permission to use the land from a member of the Creek Nation, and they began construction of plywood dwellings, water, electrical, and sanitation facilities. This community became known as a Resurrection City. Residents would leave for protests and demonstrations lobbying for political change at different agencies, but the leaders of Resurrection City, one of them, Reverend Jesse Jackson, also had to tackle difficulties inside the community. There were tensions in the group at first, but they would later go on to discover common ground and understanding. Lanil Henderson would later remember, 
I saw Jesse Jackson, who was then about 26 years old, with these rambunctious young African-American men who wanted to exact some vengeance for the assassination of King. Jackson sat them down and said, This is just not the way, brothers. It's just not the way. Then he went further and said, Look, you've got to pledge to me and to yourself that when you go back to wherever you live, before the year is out, you're going to do two things to make a difference in your neighborhood. It was an impressive moment of leadership. In all, approximately 3,000 people were in the protest camp, and they stayed for six weeks. Because of the large occupation taking place in Washington, D.C., the government had to prepare to react should it turn into a violent takeover of the Capitol. Members of Congress were outspoken with their fear. Senator Russell B. Long would say, When that bunch of marchers comes here, they can just burn the whole place down and we can just move the Capitol to some place where they enforce the law. And Senator John L. McKellen would accuse the group of attempting a riot and said marchers would go to Washington one night and get on welfare the next day and that it would transform Washington, D.C. into a mecca for migrants. Despite this, protests were peaceful, with the largest event, Solidarity Day, being held at the Lincoln Memorial, June 19th. It was there 50,000 people lined the reflecting pool and sang and prayed and listened to speakers. Reverend Abernathy would address the speaker, saying, Today is really only the beginning. We will not give up the battle until Congress of the United States decides to open the doors of America and allow the nation's poor to enter as full-fledged citizens into this land of wealth and opportunity. It was only a few days later that police would shoot tear gas into the city as a response to reports of rock-throwing by some of the younger people in the camp, and many saw this police action as excessive and left the city, but a few hundred stayed. The year was 1968, and on this day, June 24th, a civil disturbance squad was dispatched to clear the camp known as Resurrection City. They did this because the permit had expired. After having been extended once before, force was brought in to remove the remaining residents. Those who refused to leave were arrested peacefully and without incident, including that of Reverend Abernathy. The arrests were made while songs of freedom played on the loudspeakers. Was it a success? Thoughts on this really vary because of how it ended. Many see it as a failure. But because of meetings and demonstrations that came from this, food and lunch initiatives were successfully launched and the nation really began a conversation about poverty and hunger. But if nothing else, it united us as a people to come together and fight for an economic justice. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.